How many of your lives is how many of your lives are the same today you thought it was going to be 10 years ago? Anybody? Like no way, not even close. Mine, mine's the same way. If I would have tried to write it down, I couldn't have done it. If I would have tried to predict where things were going, I try sometimes, and I've been wrong 100% of the time. So if, if you could take a trip back in time, could you ever imagine you would be right here today? Could you ever imagine things going on in your life could be going on the way they are? There, there's a scripture in the New Testament in a book called Ephesians. And it, it's talking about, he's talking about God in Ephesians chapter 3. And he says, Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we could ask or imagine. See, there are things that God is going to do in your life, maybe tomorrow, maybe 10 years from now, that if you were asked, what do you think God's going to do? You couldn't imagine it. He's going to do so much more than you could ever think. You you think you're going to be blessed? Well, he's going to bless you abundantly. You think things are going to go well for you in the future? Well, they can go in a way that you could have never imagined. Another thing you may have never imagined is the strength that you found to overcome tragedy. God can give you that strength. That can come into your life in ways you never thought possible. Maybe when you thought, how would I deal with the doctor telling me this? How would I deal with that tragedy in my life? And if you're one of those people who have found God in those tragedies, you know that you've got more strength than you ever could have imagined. Before you hear some stories from people and how God has worked in their lives, I want you to hear a story that you need to hear. A a story that many of you have heard if you've been around LifePoint for more than six months. It's a story of how you got to sit where you're sitting today. It's a story of how things came together and God worked so you could be right here. It's the story of a church that takes chances. You know, there are two kinds of churches. There are safe churches, and there are dangerous churches. I've been a part of both. Churches that are safe focus on that which is possible, on that which they can accomplish. Churches that are dangerous know that with God, we can accomplish the impossible. Safe churches stay within the boundaries of predictability. Dangerous churches take chances and bank on the fact that God's in control and he's got a hold of the future. Safe churches say, God, help us accomplish our plans that we have. Dangerous churches say, God, use us, no strings attached. Safe churches say, come and be like us. Dangerous churches say what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 11. If you're tired, if you're weary, if life has beat you down, all of you come to me, no matter who you are. Safe churches keep things the same. Dangerous churches are unpredictable. Anybody been a part of a safe church? You don't have to raise your hand. I hear some uh uh-huhs and heads nodding, I know. Safe churches let you sit comfortably in your chair year after year. Dangerous churches make it their point to make you uncomfortable so you'll be motivated to action. Safe churches are content waiting on people to come to them while dangerous churches 
are willing to storm the gates of hell if they have to, to get the message of Christ and the love of Christ to a world that desperately needs it. And guess which one we are. I want to tell you a story about this church because if you're here for the first time, you, you have come on a perfect day. If somebody made you come or somebody drug you out of bed and caused you to come and you didn't really want to be here or you're thinking, I just want to know more about this church that's been meeting in this theater over here for, for the last six months, you're going to find out, you're going to hear the story of what made today possible, of what made LifePoint and Wakefield come to be. So you need to know this story because it's a story of how God worked to get you right here because I don't believe you're here by chance. I don't think this is just a random thing and I don't think you'll think that after I get finished. Almost three years ago, I started to ask the question. When, when God did one of those unpredictable things I couldn't have imagined and, and, and he was fulfilling a desire that I had to allow me to, to be a part of a church from the beginning all the way up, I began to think about as we were meeting in this theater down in North Raleigh off of Six Forks Road, I began to think about, we're going to fill this up. And we did. Now what are we going to do? Now what's next? What, what's going to happen? We're out of space. So what's the next thing to do? And after searching and searching, searching my heart, wondering what's next, what should we do? God, speak. I know what everybody says to do, but I'm just not comfortable putting buildings before people. And saying, okay, now that we're full, we're going to go spend $10 million. So everybody clear out their bank accounts. Come on over and and we're going to build this big building. And we're going to advertise it. We're going to say, come to us because we got this really cool building. And, and, you know, you can lift weights in it or whatever. And you just got to come to our building. It's what we're about. And I was just never comfortable with that. Not meaning that we'll never have a building. But it will. I, I can say that it will never come before people. That a building's a necessary thing at some point, but never at the expense of people. But yet the seats were full, and I thought, God, what, what, do, you, what do you want? What, what do you want to be next? I have no peace about millions and millions of dollars in debt. The seats are full. I don't know what else to do. So I decided to get a loan for a week, part of a week, and listen to God. Just take my Bible and just read. So I got alone for those few days and I, I just started to read and I listened and I read and I listened. And when I opened up and began to read my Bible one of those days, I read in the book of Luke in chapter 15. And I don't have time to read through those three stories that Jesus tells. As they wanted, the, the religious leaders of the day want to know, Jesus, why are you hanging out with these kind of people? Why are you around these, these people that that we don't like, these people that are not religious, these people that are ungodly. Why are you hanging around those people? And Jesus tells three stories. He tells a story about this woman who has uh, ten coins and she loses one. And she tears the house apart trying to find it. And when she finds it, she calls her friends together and they have a big party because she had this one coin that was lost and she found it. And then Jesus tells the story of a shepherd who had a hundred sheep and one of them went missing. 
And he left the 99 in the open field to go find this one little sheep who had wandered off. And he went and he found it. And when he found that little sheep, he put it on his shoulders. And he went back and he rejoiced because one was gone and now it's back. And then he tells this story that we've all heard before. The story that you've probably heard uh, many times if you've gone to church is the story of the prodigal son or the lost son about a young man who leaves his family to go spend the inheritance that he asked his father for and he goes off and he realizes he made this huge mistake and he comes back and the father stops everything he's doing for this one kid who comes home and the kid comes home and they have a party because this one was gone and now it's back and these people are starting to question Jesus and he's saying there is rejoicing in heaven when one life has changed. So whatever goes on in heaven all the time, normally, when one life has changed, think of all the people in the world, and when one life has changed, heaven like comes to a screeching halt and says, it's party time, you know, break out the party stuff because somebody changed. One life has changed. That's how important one life is, and I thought, that's it. We don't ever need to do anything that's not about one life at a time. Not, not get so focused on other things that we would forget about the one life. That still didn't help with our crowding problem. Unless I, we got down to one person maybe. I thought, well, that might help, but don't want to do that. So I, I read this book, and, and if you're interested in, in why we do things the way we do, it, it's called uh, The Multi-Site Church Revolution. Just, I think we have some out at the info booth. Go by and get one and, and just take a look at it. And that book began to stir in me this desire, and all of a sudden I saw, wait a minute, we, we can grow in two places. And when you focus on one life at a time, what God can do with that, that's what Jesus was doing, so I just go with what Jesus is doing, and let's do the same thing. Let's focus on one life at a time so nobody ever feels like a face in the crowd. So nobody ever feels like they don't care about me. Let's just do one life at a time and see what God does with that. I believe if we do that, You can't build a building big enough to contain what God can do. There's no walls can hold that. There's no thing you can build with brick and mortar that can hold that in. So I spent the next months, up to a year, just studying, praying, thinking about what does it mean for us to be a a multiple site church. I didn't know where that would be. I didn't know how that was going to happen. I had, had no idea. And then one day, I was driving back. I'd been up in Wake Forest. I can't even remember why. And I was driving back. It was about 6 o'clock. I was driving on Capitol Boulevard to go home. And the unfortunate people on the other side were sitting still. And evidently, it's like that every day. I don't drive that. Is it like that every single day? So I did, I did a little research. I came back the next day. And I thought, let's see. And I thought, there's a lot of people. So it'd be cool to put a church where there's a lot of people, where people are. And so I I thought, well, maybe this is it. So I I literally went back to my computer one day and I thought, well, they're probably, let's just see how many new houses they're building. So I just did a search on a realtor website and all the, all the houses, you just do new house search. Unbelievable. I thought there's people there. They're building restaurants. They don't build restaurants where people aren't. So, okay, maybe that's the place. Maybe God's speaking. Maybe I just happened to be in the right place at the right time. So I just drove up here one morning and thought, okay, God, is this the place? And I knew this movie theater was here, and I drove by, and I thought, well, there's a, surely there's a, a church 
meeting in there. I mean, churches flock to movie theaters. It's, it's, it's a nice place to meet, and, and it's been there three or four years. So, so evidently, somebody's already meeting here. So I, I come to this theater, and I think, okay, that's perfect. So I go back, and I try to find out who owns, who owns this theater. And I find out that, that it's owned by one guy. Owns 19 marquee cinemas all across, all along the southeast. One guy owns this theater. And, and then I find out he's, it's based in Beckley, West Virginia. I, I, I lived the first 18 years of my life in West Virginia. So I was like, we speak the same language. I got to talk to this guy. So I, I call up and you know, I go back and I call up and I said, hey, I, I just want to know, you, you have a church meeting in there? Just, just curious. You have something going on in there? And she goes, yeah, we do. I mean, there's not one meeting in there, but there's 11 churches on a list right now. And we're kind of working through them one by one. And put you on the list, but, you know, probably going to work it out with all the other one of the other ones. And we're really close with somebody. And, and I was like, well, darn, that must not be it. Next morning, I get in my car. Literally, I drive back up here, and I think, we've got to have it. I know we're 12th. But we've got to have that theater. And literally, this happened. I'm not, this is not a preaching story. I, I, this really happened. I, I came up, and I've go, I was going through a series at that time on the spiritual disciplines called Mosaic. It's online. You can go listen to it. But on the prayer day, when I was talking about praying bold prayers, I thought, well, I just need to pray. You know, it seems impossible. We're 12th in line. I just need to say a prayer. So I literally get behind this theater, right behind this wall right here, down at the end, and uh, no joke, I put my hands on the side of this movie theater. I don't normally do things like that. And people were probably driving by thinking, that's kind of weird. But, but I prayed. And I remember, so I said, God, we want this. My bold prayer today, my mountain-moving prayer that I was teaching through at the time, is that you will allow us to focus on one life at a time and do another side of our church that meets right here in this theater. I know we're 12th, but you're bigger than 11 other spots in front of us. We want this. God, we desire this. We want to have a side of our church right here. So I go back to my office. And by the way, when you stand out here at the back, you can kind of see out through Wakefield a little bit. And I just prayed. And I said, I know there's people there. I know there's got to be people there that are searching. God, allow us to be here. We want it. Give it to us drove back to my office, felt really emboldened at that point, and I sent an email back to the owner's assistant, and I said, look, I just want to tell you, before you make a decision on another church, we already meet in the movie theater. Here's the owner's name of the other. We know what we're doing. We know how to get in, get out. We don't, it doesn't, you won't even be able to tell we're there. Just let us in. Just give us a chance, and, and, th- and that was it, and I thought, well, you know, whatever happens, happens. A few days later, I get a call, and she says, hey, I just want to call and tell you, we put you up in the top spot. We'd like to talk to you about being in that movie theater. And I was like, yeah, you know. So I started thinking of all the things I need to pray for because evidently I've got an open line. And so, <laughs> so, so I, I start talking to the owner and we're talking back and forth a little bit. And, and, and he's just not, get, he's saying, why do you need lights for a church? Why do you need a stage? I'm not a movie, a projector. Why? He wasn't understanding sound system. What do you need that for? He, he was thinking, you know, they'll bring in this little podium and some guy will stand up there. And I was like, no, you got to understand. It's a little bit different than that. I tried to send him some videos. And, and, it, it, and we were just not communicating. The price was double what we could afford. And, and I thought, I've just got to go sit face-to-face with this guy. So I set up a meeting, drove the five and a half hours to Beckley, West Virginia, sat there with the owner of this place and, and the 18 other ones. And we talked about 
not specifics about leasing and all that, but this is, a kind of, this is the kind of church we are. Here's the kind of people that come to our church. Here's the kind of difference that I think we're making in the community. And, and we talked, and, and right before I went in to talk to him, I called the staff. I said, you guys huddle up in our, in our meeting room, and I want you to pray while I'm in there. And they did. And in the course of that meeting, not only did he say, oh, yeah, you can mount lights. That would be, that would be okay. Not only did he say, oh, you can store all your stuff under the screen. You can do this. You can mount your speakers up behind our screen. No, not only did he say all that stuff, he also lowered the price by half. And, and he also, when, when I left, we talked business for a while, and he said, hey, uh, thanks for driving up here. He said, uh, it's nice to know my theater is going to be used for something besides showing movies. And I thought, oh, God, you're, you're, it's working. You're, you're listening. You're answering prayers. And then on, in, in June of 2007, I sat with our church at that time, half the size it is now, down at Six Forks. And I revealed how we were going to grow through multiple sites, and, and the church embraced it. And then in October, I gave all the details about where and when and how. And then I remembered a story. I remembered in 1996, sitting with my wife at a conference in Chicago, I remember looking at her and saying, we, we've got to be church planners. We've got to plant. We have to. I, I feel it in my heart. I know God's stir- It's got to happen. And what you need to know is when God was stirring in a guy's heart in Chicago in 1996, he had you in mind. He was thinking of today. He was thinking of February 24th, 2000, uh, February 28th, 2004, when Six Forks began. He was thinking of February 24th uh, this year as this site began. And he was thinking of what's next and what's next and what's next. And I thought, what could be going on in my life now that God's preparing me and other people for? So you need to know that while, while you were wondering if life could be different, while you were thinking, could church be different? Could I find a place that, that really makes the message of Christ relevant? Could I find a place my kids actually want to go to? Is that even possible? There was a group of people in North Raleigh gathered together praying for you and making plans to be here before you ever knew it. A group of people sitting in an overcrowded theater saying, God, we believe you're calling us to go there. And 60 or so adults said, we want to be part of that team that goes and starts that. And every time we would get together, that team and I would pray. And one of the things we prayed about was you. We sent out 200,000 pieces of mail. Some of you may feel like you got it all at your house, but four different mailings, <laughs> four different mailings, uh, 50, 50 plus thousand each. And we prayed for them. And we, we prayed every, we had a few prayers we prayed every single time we got together. And one of those prayers, not only did we pray for the owner of the theater and all that, we, we prayed that God would use those mail-outs, those little cards, to speak to people. That they would feel drawn to hear because of something they read on, a, on, a, on just a simple card. So we put all those together and we prayed for them. And there's just too many confirmations And God removed too many obstacles over the last year to ignore. You know, in the New Testament, there's a story about 
the disciples were on their boat and they were they were out fishing and they were trying to trying to get back to shore and they were rowing and rowing and rowing and the wind was so hard and they couldn't get through and they were starting to get scared and they look and Jesus is walking on the water and it kind of freaks them out and one of them a bold one named Peter got up and said if it's you let me walk to you on the water and for the rest of his life Peter could never lose a one-up conversation I mean no matter what was going on no matter what story anybody else told he could finish it off saying you all done now are you finished bragging about what you've done I walked on the water. Who's going to top that? Unless Jesus is there, there's nobody else has done that before. I wonder if the rest of the guys were like, man, why didn't I do it? Why didn't I seize that opportunity when it was in front of me? I could have walked on the water. And, and, and probably the rest of their lives, they were hanging out with Peter. They were probably saying, would you just shut up about walking on the water? Yeah, we know. You had faith. You walked on the water. He was probably getting tired. They were probably getting tired of hearing about it. And they probably wondered, Man, well, how would my life have been different if I would have just taken that chance? How, how would your life be different today in my life if, if a group of people a year ago wouldn't have said, you know what, doesn't look like the safe thing to do, but we're going to do it anyway. It may not make sense to a lot of people, but we're going to do it anyway. If you're ever at a crossroads in your life, there's a book that you have to read. It's a little book by a guy named Bruce Wilkinson. It's called The Dream Giver. And it'll mess up your life if you read it and apply it. In in the book, he says this. When you hear him say, come further, pick up your knapsack. Your horizon is full of promise. A big dream is out there waiting. And if you don't pursue it, something won't happen. See, the fact that you're sitting here means you are the result of a group of people deciding to be a dangerous church. See... When we met together to say, let's start this place called LifePoint in Wakefield and be a multiple site church and do all the things that means. And when we met together to pray, we didn't have this chart that said, here's our target amount for the day. Now, other church planners that I know were like, Donnie, you got to have a chart on the wall and you got to put that number up there, what you want. And, and, and you got to move people towards that number. And I thought, you know, when I read my Bible, God doesn't say attract big numbers. He says, plant and water seeds. I take care of the numbers. You don't worry about that. You plant, you water, I'll provide the growth. That's literally what the Bible says. So I told the launch team, we're just not going to set numbers. We're just going to pray. We're going to pray for every one of these pieces of mail. We're just going to pray that God brings the people that need to be there, brings the people who are searching. Let's just pray. And if you were here the first day, you know that it was standing room only. If you would have pressed me and said, how many people do you think? I would have thought, well... We got like 60 adults on the, on the launch team, and I'm going to make them feel really guilty if they all don't bring at least one person. So at least double that, count the kids, maybe a couple hundred people. There were 600 people the first day. It's not a whole lot less than that now. And I'm reminded of that verse in Ephesians chapter 3 that says, Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than we ask or imagine, according to his power, That is at work within us. To him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. So that's the story of how LifePoint began, or at least all of it I can tell you in 20 minutes. Okay, 24 minutes. You're part of it. 
You are part of that story. You're the result of praying. And when you were wondering, can life be different? Could there be a church that really could be meaningful to me and my children? There were people planning on it. And God was behind the scenes working in ways you can't even imagine. And you'll be part of whatever the next life point site is. You'll be part of the next story that I get to stand up and tell and say, oh, man, you need to hear the story about number three. You need to hear what happened. You need to hear what those people did, what those people said. You'll be part of that story. I don't even know where, I don't even know when, but I know the story is comfortable. And I know the story is from God. You're part of a dangerous church. And I promise I won't let you get comfortable. I promise I won't let you just sit. Because there's something bigger than numbers and seats. It's way bigger than that. It's the story of lives changed. It's the story of people saying, once I was here and now I'm here, it's all different now. That's more important than any number, than packing a place out on the first day. I didn't see huge crowds of people. I saw that life and that life and that life. And as we began to start this thing in February and and see lives changed and people coming to know Christ and coming to experience church in a way they never thought was possible... I started to make mental notes of stories. And I asked a few people if they would come by the office one day. Just say a few things on video. And we're going to play that for you now. Come and listen. Come to the waters and join you. Who know and fear the Lord Come and listen Come to the waters and show you Who are thirsty, come Let me tell you what He Has done for me Let me tell you what He has done for me. He has done for you. He has done for us. So LifePoint pretty much had me on that first postcard. And then the second postcard came. By the time the fifth postcard came, I was so ready to to go. and, And I said, Lord... We're off to a good start because if you can always be this clear with me about what it is that you want me to do, it's going to be cool. The first time I came in, it was a lot of joyful faces. And it was like, you guys got this together. We've gotten other postcards from, you know, invites from other churches, but there was a drawing effect to that card. I can't explain it, but it was was just very inviting. Um, Getting the flyers in the mail, it just started really I just really felt like God was calling on me on my heart to broaden my reach with the church and to know that I had been searching for almost 40 years I got like 1800 flyers in the mail probably not really 1800 maybe four we used to have a Sunday morning date we'd go to Brugger's and we still had not decided that we were going to attend your service but we knew about it and uh, we had gone to the Brugger's that morning, and all of a sudden the parking lot was just full of cars. And we said, oh, this must be their first 
or service. And then we just uh, basically not me making a decision or Laura making the decision. We just said, you want to try it out next week? And the rest is history. I started to think that maybe I was wrong about this church thing and this God thing. And uh, maybe there just isn't any potential for me there. But that was right around the time I got the first of the, of the postcards from uh, LifePoint saying that the Wakefield branch was going to open. And just from the, the, the way that postcard, the, the tone of it and, and that kind of thing, it got my attention enough to have me go to the website and read more about LifePoint. And uh, I became pretty convinced after that first postcard that if there is ever a church out there that's going to be for me, this is, this is going to be the one. Well, we love the whole experience. The music is incredible. You go in there and you get um, really in the spirit. And then the teachings are really profound in the sense that it could be reflected right into your own life. Come and listen Come and listen to what he's done Come and listen, yeah Come and listen to what he's done Come and listen Come and listen to what he's done Come and listen Come and listen to what he's done. I've read the New Testament now. LifePoint was good enough on that first visit on February 20, 24th to have given me my first Bible. And I'm all the way through the whole New Testament now and working my way through the Old Testament. A little more difficult read, but still uh, it's, it's uh, an amazing experience reading that book. It was the friendliness. It was everybody appearing normal. Um, we were still skeptical. And then I came to LifePoint and I was like, well, that was kind of cool. You know, I'll give it a couple more tries. And then probably within the fourth week, I was like, this is home. And then in small groups, we decided to do that, to meet people in the church. And we have, and it's been really great. And the teachings for that small group has really uh, changed our lives in the effect that we're putting it in uh, use. And um, the whole experience has been awesome. We don't miss. A Sunday. Uh, my strength by myself is so limited, and uh, my, my strength when I've got a relationship with God is, is unlimited, and LifePoint has really helped to make the difference for me. Our life has changed so much in the past six months where the kids, they have sleepovers, and they want to make sure we're going to um, pick them up in time to be able to get to LifePoint, that they're not going to miss out on Fam Jam. One sermon, I was completely in tears because me and my husband had gotten this huge fight the morning of church. And I get to church and hear about how we're supposed to love our enemies, and it was just my breaking point. And it was like, he's talking to me. He is talking to me. And just now I can feel that, you know, God might not say, hi, other, but he finds his people to talk through. And through that, I definitely hear him. I went up to summer, and I think we'd only been coming to church for like three months, three weeks at that time, and I told her that, past three Sundays were so great not having to hog tie my kids and bring them to church and how much they loved it. I don't come from a Christian background so when I found Christ I knew it was real. Maybe you should be greeting or maybe you should get out of your seat and do something so it was like okay he's talking to me and then with my baptism I had battled about that for you know a couple months about you know well maybe I should get baptized and but I just never really did it because who knows why and then once I did it was like a totally different feeling. It, um, I remember the boys just fam jam, just screaming and yelling. We've since brought in two other families that have become regular attenders 
into LifePoint because of FamJam and because the kids love going to church. And now it actually has a meaning behind it and, and, a, and a want. You know, we want to go, we want to participate. You know, we're excited, you know, and that's never been that way. No. So think about the first time that Donnie thanked me for helping out at the registration desk. I actually felt like somebody actually knew who I was there. When I was a kid and my mom would drag me to church on Sunday mornings, the thing I hated even worse than having to put on that stupid necktie and not be able to watch cartoons all Sunday morning, the thing I hated the worst was the sermon because there was some guy droning on and on about stuff that happened 2,000 years ago that didn't seem relevant to me. And now that I've made the decision that I love attending LifePoint, I love going to worship with you guys every Sunday morning, and the coolest thing about it now is that sermon that I used to hate because every week it seems like you guys are able to figure out some way of shedding light on an, on an issue that is really pertinent in my life right then. And I couldn't help but think that either you guys are clairvoyant or I've just got so many problems that you can just pick one at random and I'm likely to relate to it. <laughs> and I'm certainly not perfect and I'm certainly not there yet. But uh, it, it feels terrific to be on the right path and feeling like after 50 years of, of living without God that uh, just this past year has been just so awesome for me. And LifePoint has been a spectacular vehicle to help me to keep that relationship with God focused and to, to help me figure out ways to, to not only live the right way but to, to, to maybe focus some of that energy on how to give something back. And to, uh, and to be part of the community and not feel like I'm on my own. And since I've dedicated my life to Christ and decided to obey Him, I've changed a lot of things about myself. And in that, um, my mom, who's been a smoker of 30 years, has just kicked the habit, has not smoked a cigarette in three weeks. Um, my dad, who was, I would say he's atheist. You know, there's no God. If there was, children wouldn't die of cancer. He witnessed my baptism, uh, cried at my baptism, and now he doesn't have a relationship, but he is acknowledging the fact that, okay, there's something there. So I definitely can see Christ working through me just in those aspects there. He's showing people the light through me, and that really makes me feel good. Just this past week, I actually said to my husband that I felt like I understood what it meant to be born again because I see things through a totally different eyes since I've come to LifePoint and become a follower of Christ. And, you, and Donnie did a service on baptism and uh, what that meant and biblically what that meant and we decided that um, we wanted to make that commitment. And I'm loving it. <laughs> Come and listen Come to the waters that draw you who know and fear the Lord. Come and listen. Come to the waters that draw you who are thirsty. Come. Let me tell you what He has done for me let me tell you what he has done for me he has done for you he has done for us come and listen 
Come and listen to what he's done. Come and listen. Come and listen to what he's done. Just come and listen. Come and listen to what he's done. Come and listen. Come and listen to what he's done. To him who is able to do immeasurably more than all you could ask or imagine. Just imagine what God can do with your life. Those stories you heard, they're either your stories or could be your stories. Let's pray. God, thank you for uh, the way you've worked, the way you've answered prayers or removed obstacles and put people in our past that have helped us, that have helped us uh, get to know Christ. And God, uh, next week as we focus again on stories, uh, Father, may you touch us with your story. May, may each of us feel your presence and your peace and your forgiveness. And God, for that one person that's here today searching, I pray you'd speak to their hearts. I pray this in Jesus' name.